would you rather cry on your bus or would you rather cry in a Ferrari? And, and I said, but why do I have to be crying? Why can't I be happy in my Toyota? I'm your host, Samuel Manyonda, and today I'm very excited. I have a very special guest with me. One of my teachers from school, Mrs. Bonzaya, who just so happens to be a psychologist as well. You know, um, she's probably one of only two teachers who have been able to penetrate my mind and actually make me care about coming to a classroom. So just from afar, crazy amounts of admiration for you and your craft. More important to me than all the other titles, you come from an empathetic standpoint. You understand how to communicate with kids and make them care about something. So I've always valued that in me. Um, do you want to just give the audience a little two-minute rundown about who you are and what it is that you actually do? Okay, um, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me here. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a psychologist. I'd love to be. Uh, I did study psychology, though. So I did my oh, okay. honors in psychology. Um, and then I went into teaching. Um, mm -hmm. Long term, I'd still love to become a psychologist. But for now, I'm a teacher and I'm a school counselor, which means I get to apply a lot of my passion for psychology into helping the students that I teach, which is great. Sorry, just please balance that for me. So after you get your your qualifications in psychology, do you have to get like a license to practice? Okay, so what will happen is you have to study a four-year degree normally, and then you would do a one-year's honours, after which you'd enter okay. a selection process, depending mm -hmm. on uh, which sort of psychology you want to specialise in. If it's counselling or clinical, those are selection programmes. So you okay. have to go through, uh, you have to enter a paper round, you basically apply and you outline research you'd want to do, okay. um, the qualifications and experience you have. And then you, mm -hmm. if you get to pass the paper round, you get invited for a selection week and you would have interviews uh, with the various personnel from the department, uh, psychology yeah. department at the university. And then you'd also have group discussions, you'd have various tests and things that you do and um, sort of role play activities that you'd have to be involved in, but it's a day by day sort of selection. So you'd find out today if you come back tomorrow. And they normally start off with about 60 people at the beginning of selection week. And by the end of the week, there is 20, but they're only going to select about, let's say, eight people out of that, maybe four to five for counseling okay. psychology and four to five for clinical. So it's very competitive. It's really difficult yeah, wow. to access into masters. Uh, after that, depending if you do clinical, you have to do a a year to two years, I think, practical. Um, and then obviously master's itself is a full-time year study. Yeah. So you'd have to do, yeah, it's a year practical. Um, counseling, I don't think it's the same kind of practical procedure, but you obviously do need to work in a certain amount of hours and then you'd need to pass a board exam set by the HP uh, CSA. So that's the Health Professions Council of South Africa. Yeah, for anybody wanting to get into psychology, I mean, this is, this is the route that you most likely have to take, yeah. Um, you know, I've, when I asked you to do this, I talked to you about how I'm documenting the process of becoming one of the most impactful entrepreneurs on planet Earth. And I think one thing that I love about this whole thing, it's, it's, it's extremely holistic. So I can branch into many different things and bring different experiences into this thing that I'm trying to build. I have a marketing agency um, that I started up recently and a dropshipping store underneath that as an asset. That's a whole different conversation. But, um, you know, the one of the main reasons I love this is because 
I get to dive deep and really keep my eyes and ears into everything. So I've been I've been staying observant. I've been I've been watching, you know, the conversations that people are having. And I think I'm really optimistic about the conversations that we're beginning to have around mental health issues, around um, conversations like alcoholism, drug abuse, you know, anxiety, depression, all of those things, sort of removing the stigma um, and something that a lot of people are struggling with. A lot For a lot of people, it is a disease that they succumb to and something that they can't actually control. And as you can imagine, the pandemic has just exacerbated that at a thousand X. Um, I mean, just, just you as the human, how have you sort of been analyzing that ecosystem? That's a really complex question. Um, look, it's going to depend on how individuals are prepared for something like that. I don't think anyone can truly be prepared to experience a pandemic, and there's no way to anticipate um, what's going to be the end outcome, whether it's going to be your business yeah. that is affected, whether it's your family that's affected, or whether it's just putting strain on your, your finances or your family relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's shown us a lot of where the value lies and what is making us happy. Because when we've been denied True. the experience of contact with other people and we've been denied that uh, physical affection that we're so used to showing and that be- has become so part of our culture, um, I think then we realize what truly makes us feel fulfilled in a way and that it's yeah. been difficult for people to not be able to gather and to socialize and to express themselves openly, um, physically, you know, hugging each other when they greet each yep. other, the way they mm-hmm. would. So I think it has been good to help us realign and find our values again. Um, I think when, you know, something like a lockdown happens, you're forced to spend more time with your family and perhaps you realize you've been neglecting your family or neglecting your faith and you're forced to slow down, which is, in my opinion, the idea of slowing down is fantastic because the world that we're in at the moment, um, the pace is, is so hectic and we, we yeah. miss out on the things that we really need to be giving more attention to. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, for everybody who's been fortunate enough to be able to focus on the mental aspect, the psychological aspect, because they're not being overcome by the financial impacts of this thing. I think it's it's incredibly important. Something I've also realized a lot of right now is perspective. Just how you see the world and how you're willing to take in information is an absolute game changer. I mean, before this, it was so much that we used to take for granted. You know, like in our ecosystem, the whole IB, private school thing, and like you get to have conversations with people that are maybe complaining about certain things and actually something that really happened yesterday that was really interesting so i'm i'm all optimism i'm all practical optimism pushing for you know i'd like to see the upside in things i think the internet has absolutely disrupted the way that we do business the way we interact as people i don't think we can ever really go back to normal per se but um in that same sense we had just done a piece of work about school I mean, it was like a comprehension we did in this in this other subject. I even forgot, and I was I was aggravated because I'm always I'm I'm striving for more practical education to be put into the system, and you know it's something that we don't get a lot of, and a lot of children are maybe angry, you know, feeling a certain way about it, and I I usually express that on a daily basis. Now think of where I'm coming from. I'm all optimism, and I'm so happy that I've been able to inject that into everything in my life, except this thing called school. So I talked to my friend, um, Saki, 
I, I expressed that and he was like, bro, you need to stop complaining about things that you can't control. And obviously I'm all rah-rah bravado. I was like, nah, I'm gonna change it one day. I'm gonna be in a position of power, all of that. But I got home and I really considered, I said, I'm always pushing for happiness, you know, trying to create an ecosystem of positivity around me. But I'm, am I breeding a negative ecosystem with my friends or people that interact with me by always complaining about school, you know? coming back to being empathetic there's literally yeah. children at school with government housing and i'm all here but no i'm going to use the internet to win but for somebody this is just literally their way of getting out of the situation that they're in so that's been something really eye-opening for me um you know this whole entrepreneur land thing you get to hear a lot of different perspective perspectives one thing i think there's a big misconception around is money and success I want to ask you, what do you think, what is the relationship between money and success in your eyes? You know what, as you spoke about perspective, it's always going to come down to how you personally see money and what it's done for you in your life. And when you're talking about somebody who um, is struggling, you know, if you're talking about anybody on, on the poverty line, money is in, going to be incredibly important because it's a way out. True. It's a way True. to have a future that you wouldn't normally have and opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have. Uh, but it's all relative. And psychologically, mm -hmm. according to studies, the happiest group of people are your upper middle class people. So not your extremely wealthy. And obviously, why do you think that is, though? Sorry to interrupt. Um, why do you think that's the reason? I think that. The reason is money can only bring you so much happiness. And I know that's not a popular opinion. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, I totally agree. Yes, the money brings you peace of mind. And once you've got that, and once you have the money to, let's say, afford to have a, a good school and a, a room, a roof over your head, and uh, to have enough yeah. food to be able to, you know, maybe in, indulge in some leisure activities or whatever it is for you, whatever's going to make you you know, feel Happy. more complete or fulfilled. Um, there's not a lot of happiness it can bring to you beyond that because if you haven't, you know, dealt with issues within yourself, let's say you're incredibly insecure, uh, money's not going to do much for <laughs> yeah. you. It's only going to exacerbate the problem in a way that if I rely completely on brand name clothing to define who I, are, I am, if I don't have those brand, you know, items on me, I feel more insecure within myself. Or if yeah. you feel as though you haven't, um, you're not reaching your potential because you don't have the, uh, let's say, the bravado to start an entrepreneurial business as you have, yeah. then you always feel as though you're lacking within yourself despite whatever money you have. So there's only so much you can do. It's not going to change your personality. And if there's aspects of you that you're not satisfied uh, with, that's a lot of work you're going to have to do within yourself to either make peace with it or to get to a point where you have overcome personal obstacles you're creating within yourself emotionally in order yeah. to feel that fulfillment. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Like coming back to what you said, like not everybody should be an entrepreneur. I mean, we had this discussion um, when, we were, when we were at school and we were talking about the statement that has been made so famous. Would you rather cry on your bus or would you rather cry in a Ferrari? And, and I said, but why do I have to be crying? Why can't I be happy in my Toyota? Why can't I love the process of being in the dirt, grinding, having nobody know your name? And not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. You know, like this, it, it takes a lot of stomach is something that I'm realizing. It's, it's constant pushback. You really have to love what you're doing. I'm only able to persevere through, you know, client service businesses. 
I I will keep my language to uh, an acceptable, um, you know, medium <laughs> since I'm talking to you. But client services businesses are really like if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you you won't survive it. It's constant clients, you know, screaming. Like like for me, it's a foregone conclusion. One day I will go back home and I will be the president of my country because there's just so much that needs to be changed. So when I think of the agency as a way to sort of acquire big brands and then bring all of that infrastructure back to Zimbabwe, it makes so much sense why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'm able to, um, you know, have that as my purpose and something that drives me. What do you say, what would you say is your purpose? What drives you to get up in the morning and do what you do? I think, um, you know, to a big degree, psychology is always going to be my passion. Uh, mm. And I think that you reach a point in your life where you also have to realize that you can have your own dreams and, and that's fantastic. People should, but yeah. you do also need to be mindful of the fact that you should be praying for God's will to be done because God has a plan for you. And sometimes mm-hmm. we want to push ourselves into situations that don't work. And, um, you know, I read a, a lovely quote that spoke about how, if it's from God, it will come with affirmation, but if it's, it's not, it will come with obstacles and confusion. Sorry to interrupt. I just really have to get this out of you. What's something that you wanted to, like you, you were just like really, really striving to happen and you didn't happen. And later on you were like, okay, maybe this wasn't in God's plan. Um, well, when I did apply for master's psychology, I wanted to be a counseling psychologist and I didn't get in. Yeah. And it was the first time I'd really failed at anything in my life, which Tough, right? takes you back. It was a very difficult um, period for me because I thought yeah. I was completely convinced this is my whole purpose. And um, I was filled with a lot of resentment and anger because how can this not be my dream? I thought if I want it enough and if it's meant to be, it will yeah. be. And it sort of took me a while to understand that the timing was not right. And that's something you can see in hindsight and not mm. before. So it came to show me that, okay, the timing was not right. And perhaps the effect that I'm having where I am is part of a bigger purpose. It's not to say I can't go and become a psychologist one day. Uh, that's sure. not to say you know, that anyone can't achieve their dreams. But the point is you can't have it all at once. So yeah. that's, I think, something that as the youth, even in my generation, and, you know, not that much older than you, but a bit older than you, uh, we sort of were raised with the idea, the whole generation, that you can be whatever you want to be and you can have whatever you want to have. And mm-hmm. I think there is, if you're willing to be motivated and work hard as you are, there is a very good chance you can achieve all you want, but you're not going to achieve it all at once. And yeah. that's something you have to come yeah. to terms with. Um, I think it's an economic term, uh, opportunity cost, which basically says that whatever I'm focusing my energy on now, I'm doing at the expense of something else. So you're interviewing me now when yeah. you could be studying or interviewing somebody else. And yeah. this is time you've spent on this interaction. And we can't get that time back. And you just so never you know, right? Like the, you'll never know the alternative. I, I could no. be like when, when I had three options, maybe, okay, interview um, somebody I look up to. Maybe I could be studying. Maybe I could be working on my business. But you just have to make the decision and move forward and never look back. Like, you just never know. I, I believe very strongly in trusting your instincts and because I'm an empath. So I, you know, sort of Love feel that. my way through it. But that's not for everyone. Um, some sure. people approach things very logically or rationally, which isn't always my um, 
instincta a la lot and intuition. But then there's mm-hmm. also the idea that you pray and you ask God, is this for me? And if it doesn't come with confirmation, then it, maybe it's not for me right now. Maybe there's something else. So you, you ask to be guided and you have to be looking for those signs as well. It, let's say if I was doubting this week whether or not I'm having an impact and you came and asked me, oh, ma'am, will you be on my podcast? Um, that would be maybe for me, God showed me, hey, I think you're making a good difference here. So I think that we just have to get comfortable with the idea of finding our priorities. And you've got to understand for you, what do you think is going to make you feel the most fulfilled? Um, I'm not going to say happy because happiness, all the studies are showing that the biggest level of happiness, you know, if you want to experience happiness, you have to learn to be happy right now where you are. And that's exactly. being happy with yourself and happy in the process. And as you said, mm-hmm. grinding, working your way up from the bottom to be optimistic and to be f- fulfilling everyone with this positivity and this energy, that's really important because you're making every single day meaningful, which is a lot of hard work. Uh, but the point is that in order to be fulfilled, you have to decide, okay, these are the things I want to achieve, but am I going to put, let's say I want to travel overseas and I want to start up my business, am I going to put more money into my business right now and more effort into my business right now, or am I going to save up the money and travel first? Um, is it going to be, I want to, you know, pursue yep. a serious relationship with this person? Um, you know, in, in the case of, let's say, one day when you're old and you get married, am I going to get married now? Or am I going to focus on my career now? So you have to decide for you, and that's a very personal choice, what's going to bring me the most performance? Understanding that the other things that you want to fulfill might not necessarily happen at the same time. So we put more energy on this now and on that later, and we can achieve all our dreams, but it's going to take a while. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I mean, that that's incredibly true. Something I've struggled with personally is finding the balance between what what I want to be important for me in the macro and what's you know important right now. I'm I'm very out there, passionate, enthusiastic about all of these things that I do, and but at the end of the day, I, I have to realize I have I have a mom and a dad who are looking to me with with expectations. First of all, I'm I'm already ranking higher than a lot of other people in the world just but by the fact that I have two parents, right? And they have expectations from me to deliver in school. And even though I have all these thoughts and, and I'm starting to become a little bit more optimistic about it because I'm starting to extract relationships, if not anything else, from school. So um, I think just understanding that. And coming back to a point that you made about, you know, always trying to be optimistic, posit- positive about things. A lot of people might think is really fluffy, but I've seen in interacting with people at school, in real life, in business, it becomes a very influential and powerful tool. Like like you said, it might be it's hard work. I agree if that's not your natural DNA. Uh, but but for me it's it just seems natural. Like I suffocate under negativity. That's why I'm always trying to breathe it out of everything that I do. But um <laughs> we just passed the 15 minute mark. I think we're gonna get into some QA right now. The first question comes from Catherine. And Catherine is asking, how do we change the mentality of the older generation to realize that school nowadays is only for the minority of the younger generation and not for the majority? Okay, I'd have to clarify her statement. Um, you know, is she does she mean that school doesn't apply to everyone? Does she mean that it's it's a different context, that school isn't 
the same way as it used to be, you know, 30 years ago. So we just need to clarify her statement a bit. Uh, but if she's talking about changing the mindset, you know, we have to understand that everyone has their perception. Everything we see in life and what we interact with all come, we, we filter it through the lens of our own experiences. So when you're looking mm -hmm. at the older generation of people, depends on where Catherine thinks, you know, what, what is older. We know nowadays that there's a lot more available at a cheaper price. I mean, let's, let's forget about education at a cheaper price. What about education at zero toll booth, toll booth cost? I think it's absolutely crazy that everything I've learned up, up until this point is just google.com and YouTube. And mm -hmm. we have a lot more luxuries now than our parents and our grandparents had. And they had to work much longer period of time before they were able to promote themselves. Many of them stayed within the same industry for years. So when <laughs> they are looking at the journey of what education brings for you, um, it's bringing them opportunities in their mind. It's, it's the opportunities that they never had. Education is going to give you that step forward. It's going to give you some kind of... Um, foothold to make things easier for you in the future things like life insurance your life insurance premium is going to be more expensive if you don't have further education and training and that's not something someone takes into account right. until they actually mm. get there so i mean empathy right like empathy is the real answer to that question uh yes empathy but also the, the ability to understand someone else's um mindset yeah. as well their history where they've come from it's it's become so much more practical now to say okay mom dad i have interests around these things and i think i'm going to produce content for the internet on a daily basis at a macro scale to be able to reach the people that i want and gain the opportunities i mean it's it's working for like let me give a practical example of this we did work with so work with businesses and individuals at this point we did work with a client who had about 6,000 followers on Instagram when she first came in. Now she's sitting at around 11,000. And I can already hear people saying, well, look, that doesn't matter. Well, in a world where things, platforms like Instagram, Snapchat have the attention and companies, apparel companies, somebody selling juice, somebody selling water, value something like a blue check or a community on the internet, that can become really valuable doors can open for that child who hasn't even finished high school um, to be able to live a life that, like you said, the older generations couldn't have. Um, yeah. I think humility and, and empathy is something that's incredibly important in this process. Yeah, I'll finish. Mm -hmm. Just want to add one more thing about what you said sure. there. Um, yeah. I think, you know, like, I don't understand a lot of, you know, the new age social media. There's a lot of things, platforms that, are, that I'm not on for various reasons, but I can, okay, not you know, I'm not an entrepreneur on any level. I would never be a good business person. And I have a lot of respect for somebody who can make content and, and you know, really create a living out of nothing, essentially, and, and become really popular for it. That's brilliant. But I think we have to remember that education serves a bigger purpose. It's not just, okay, why do I need to know a verb and why should I know Shakespeare and what is this, you know, maths element going to help me? Education is basically to teach you to think critically and whether or not that involves standard kind of education uh, that we, we normally do in a school structure or not. The idea is that I need to be able to critically analyze all the information I'm receiving. And I think that's so important with this influx of information from the internet. How can I trust what you're saying? I'm, I'm a big fan of listening to people who are doing 
what you want to do. If I wanted to go into teaching, you're the first person I'm going into. If I want to learn the, the whole psychology thing, <laughs> sure, you're the first person like I'm going into. I'm going to get that advice from. So you know, I think I think there's great value to be learned from practitioners who are doing whatever, whether it's an artist, a musician, whether somebody who paints you know, teacher, entrepreneur, whatever it is. What I've noticed from having a lot of these conversations is that people usually think that it's it's one or the other, but I think both work. You know, coming back to self-awareness. I, I thrive in chaos. So I'd, I'd, I'd rather juggle 96 balls and have 40 of them fall and still be left with 50 yeah. than try keep this one in the air, you know? This next question is from Njabulo on Instagram. He asks... What would you say to someone who's currently doing some things but isn't getting any essential support from parents, but now they don't necessarily need that support anymore and those essential people are taking a step back? What do you say to that person? Okay, so is it the argument then that this person is becoming more self-sustainable? Um, I think that is, that's it, yeah. Launching in that avenue, but they, their parents are not supporting that um, reasoning. Yep. I think um, when you when you're younger, um, even you know, actually, people in general, we have a tendency to think that um, our, when our mind is set on something, this is what we're going to do, and nothing else exists outside of that. But we have what's called psychological blind spots, so we don't always see the way that we're acting and reacting to people, and uh, that we keep yeah. repeating certain patterns. And that means that sometimes we block out information from other people. We sort of just cut it off because oh, it doesn't apply to me or oh, you don't know what I'm going through. And I think that in order to really get to the, you know, the midpoint of that, this person, it sounds as though they still would perhaps like, they still want their parents' support, but they're in a position to pull away because financially they can afford to. There's a danger to that though, um, because parents don't, I am a parent, um, and I have to say that parents don't normally want to kill your fun, but there is a, you know, there's a tendency to want to protect, and it's difficult for parents to let go when someone needs to become more independent or sustainable. Can we just talk about that whole protection aspect of it? Okay. I'm, I'm seeing some things that are, I think are incredibly unproductive i mean i'm I'm not a parent i could never and i don't understand this dynamic i can only document and refer back to this in the future but i mean things such as the the person who wins the race getting the exact same trophy or medal as a person who comes in ninth place or yeah. ha- having the whole system changed for a particular student because their mom's surname is on the library you know things like that um that whole protectiveness i've seen I've, I've been lucky enough since grade eight, grade nine, most of my friends were grade 11 matric. So most of them are out of school right now. So I like to get data from people like them, probably living that life. People like you living a more, you know, something more practical that you can listen to as a parent, um, kids, you know, people in our ecosystem. And what I'm seeing is it's people who were cuddled through school who got, Mm. you know, didn't work as hard as number one person and still got the same reward uh, or their mom's name was on the sports field and they ended up going into the real world and realized mom can't fight for you at work you know what what do you think about that conversation um parenting in today's day and age i think you know when you're talking about being protective there's 
there's a fine line. As a parent, you know, my children, they share 50% of my DNA. They're 50% me, 50% their dad. And that mm-hmm. means that a lot of personality attributes are essentially going to be similar to mine. They are people in their own rights. Sure. But these yeah. things that I can see, patterns of behavior, I can see that, oh, that's that's a little bit me and that's a lot like what I did. And then you uh-huh. want to protect your children from going through the pain you've gone through because this could be prevented in this way. But I cannot mm-hmm. protect my children from real life and I can't protect them from disappointment. Um, I read a, a wonderful article and it spoke about how disappointment in life and, and children facing disappointment, there's no way through I'm sorry, no way out of it. You have to get through it. So it's a a lot like going through a tunnel Mm -hmm. in a train and the train goes through a tunnel and it's dark and you just have to wait patiently until it comes the other side and and it comes, you know, back into the light again. So even, you know, when your children are facing disappointment and they didn't become prefect or they didn't come first or they haven't gotten the job. There's nothing you can do except to support them emotionally. And that's my concern is that if we start pushing people away because, you know what, I've got this, it's important for us to test, you know, our ground in some in terms of I'd like to try this and then I want to see if I have the resilience to succeed or fail or whatever. But yeah. if you push emotional bonds away, you know, connections to parents and any other caregiver that it you know good bonds we're not talking about abusive homes but if you're pushing away emotional bonds of people who care about you when you go through that tunnel which unfortunately is inevitable in life with any kind of disappointment there is certain parts of life that are not going to be present that pleasant so that's just being an adult when you go through those hardships then you fall back on the emotional bonds you fall back on those social bonds to support you so Mm -hmm. if my children are deeply disappointed um my daughter was playing outside and her, her Barbie went over the wall and the dog next door grabbed it and ate it. And yeah. <laughs> I had to hold her and let her cry because I can't fix it. I can't jump over the wall. Um, I've spoken to you before about this and you were playing, throwing things in the air. So you know what? That's a consequence. And yeah. we have to live with it. Mommy can't afford to go buy you another Barbie now. So uh-huh. you're going to have to live with the fact that Barbie's been eaten, but I will hold you the whole time you cry and I will Love comfort that. you and help you through this. And I'll teach you how to manage those emotions, but I can't take the emotions away from you. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a fine line and, and parents are constantly assessing that. There's no guidebook. We less, you know, we rely on the advice of, the Bible of what we think um, we're doing right, of what other people are saying, of various professionals. But at the end of the day, as a parent, you know your child best and you're trying your best to help them. And we've got to have that, you know, that as you you spoke about, that awareness, self-awareness. I need to see mm-hmm. when I'm being too protective because I'm afraid. I need mm-hmm. your you know, as a child, you need to say, I need to see where I'm pushing this too hard because I want to prove myself to my parents or my friends or whatever it is. I want that, yeah. that outside validation. Constant, it's a constant communication. Um, and when we have any kind of difficult conversations, I always advise uh, anyone who comes to me for counseling, I always advise the sandwich approach. So if we can have a difficult conversation with someone, we always start with a positive we bring the negative into the middle and we end with the positive. And end with the positive. Okay. It's taught to me by a therapist because the minute you have to have a difficult conversation, whether it's uh, mom and dad, I'd like a little bit more independence in this, or I feel that I'm, you're not supporting my dreams, we always have to start with, okay, good positive, positive opening statements so that we can 
we're open to having a conversation together and then bring in what I really want to talk about, what's worrying me and end with that positive. Like, I know you really care about me. I know you want to protect me. Um, I know you're going to also help me to make the best choices or whatever it is. The point is yeah, like we have to be very careful when we're addressing things that people are going to react negatively to. And that's why that sandwich model helps open people up to the conversation. And instead of saying, you never let me do this, uh, you're not giving me enough independence. That just closes off the conversation. We always say, I feel. I feel like you're not letting me have enough independence. I feel like you don't trust me to handle this. Uh, And that can maybe open up an avenue of, of seeing two sides to the story, why you're the parents are so concerned and why they're not being supportive of these dreams. And Mm -hmm. it also helps the parents to see really where the child is at. But culturally, that's also going to depend on whether the culture allows for children to talk to their parents, because sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's true. Quite difficult. Yeah. That's coming back to that point. People usually think it's a, I, I, I was I was victim to this thinking also. I used to just think it, it would happen in African homes. But the more I'd interact with people, like it's, it's literally everywhere, that communication barrier, you know? I've got you. I'm, I'm so happy that I've managed to get you for 10 minutes longer than I was supposed to. So I'm just going to end it off with um, one more question. One and more I think this is, this is a good one to close off on. So Saki asks, by the way, sorry for everybody if I couldn't get to your question. But Saki asks, which is more important, doing what you're good at or doing what you're passionate about? That's a perfect way to end this all. It's a lovely um, question. And I think that a lot of the time, the things that you're passionate about, you are naturally better at doing. So that's your natural talents. Sometimes you can be really good at things you don't enjoy. And that's true. But I think that if you're going to pursue something you're passionate about, um, it's going to open up a lot of motivation to keep going when things get tough, when things are difficult, because it fuels you. Uh, Ideally, you'd want to be involved in some kind of work or activity that's a flow activity where you lose track of time because you're so involved in it and you're just so passionate about it. So we need to look at, okay, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm passionate about, and this is how I can apply it. In my job, I'm passionate about psychology, but I'm very good at analyzing things. And that works both ways. You analyze everything in Uh psychology. Teaching English, I get to analyze all day long. I analyze Shakespeare and I analyze literature and I analyze film. And I point out all the human behavior around it. And that's why my job can still be fulfilling, even though it's not technically the field I wanted to go into. So either way, whether it's something you're good at, or something you're passionate about, you can make a success of it. I think it's just easier if you enjoy what you're good at. And if you don't yeah, particularly sure. enjoy it, it's gonna cool, create a lot of growth, but it, it's not necessarily something that you are going to find a lot of fulfillment in. Um, so it depends on you as a person and where you're at. If you wanna take the bigger challenge, uh, for example, I, di- I do not enjoy public speaking. I don't enjoy speaking really? to people. No, it's not my thing. Uh, you look so natural on the podium speaking to two children, by the way, just just a side note. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a, a lot of people have, you know, complimented me. So, oh, but you're good. You're a really great public speaker. And you, wow, you'd never say you're nervous. And mm. I really, I am. But I've learned how to hide it because it was part of my job. And it's something that I've, I've had to do. And I speak all day long. That's my profession. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like... My hypothesis as a 17-year-old kid just trying to figure this thing out is 
working backwards from the end goal always seems really helpful. Like, okay, I wanna, I wanna. I want to be I want to win this race so I'm going to train and then I'm going to make sure my my ligaments arise like muscle tissue training like all of those things and do what's necessary to get to that point but um but this is this has been absolutely amazing I've enjoyed every second of doing this thank you so much for coming on this podcast video thing with me um I hope to do so much more of these in the future to bring value to a lot of you guys watching and listening and it's been a really good use of 41 minutes Oh, thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for having me and uh, for the honor of having me on your podcast. You know, I'm not as big on social media as um, your generation. So it's really great. Thank you so much. And um, I, I really want to applaud you because I think what you're doing is fantastic and you have so much courage for being a 17-year-old and putting all that positivity out there, it reaps more positivity from people. So even though you might not feel it yet, you don't understand the impact that you're having. So, well done. It's really awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. This was amazing. Thanks. Thanks.